Shoecast. This is it. The Stitch Down Shoecast, where we talk quality footwear, how it's made, and all the things that we love about it. I'm Ben from Stitchdown.com, along with Stitchdown Chief Hot Dog Officer Ticho Blanco, and we're here today to talk with possibly the most dapper man either of us have ever encountered. And let me tell you, dapper men encountering is one of our hobbies. The one and only Shell Cordovan Fading Master, Brett Klein, who is employed by a little shoemaker in Massachusetts called the Alden Shoe Company. But before we get to what's going to be an absolutely stirring conversation with Brett, Ticho, are you wearing Osiris sneakers with skulls today? And if not, what are you wearing? What's going on, Ben? I wish I still had those sneakers somewhere so I could uh, send you a picture of them. Unfortunately, I think I gave them to Goodwill like probably 12 years ago, which is maybe where they belong. Lucky recipient on the other end. Yeah, there's a very lucky person who who got this somewhere. I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Right now, I knew we were talking to, to Brett today. Had to put on my classic Alden 405 Indies, man. One of one of my favorite boots. One of the boots I wear most often. It's, it's actually snowing here today, so I was like, well, let me just wear something that you know can can handle that. And uh, yeah, I'm loving these things. I've had them for a couple of years. I got them for like 80% off at the City Shoes going out of business sale. Oh, man. Probably one of the more killer deals that anyone has ever gotten on a pair of boots ever. RIP, but I'm glad it worked out for you. It did work out for me, uh, which is all that matters. But what about you, man? What's on your toes today? Well, I got some Aldens. Uh, I'm wearing also some Indies. Dark brown Regina Grain Indies. Berry gold stitching. Brass eyelets from Judd Frost Clothiers. Clothiers? Maybe Brett knows. In Twin Cities, Minnesota, um, which I'm pretty sure was a makeup that Brett worked with Judd Frost on. So excited to talk with him about these and you know how he how he kind of shamans people towards making incredible makeups, including me. But look, before we get to Brett, just wanted to give a special thank you to our sponsor this week, Grant Stone. One of the best values in footwear anywhere. Follow them, sign up for their newsletter. Buy some shoes and love them dearly. All right, Ticho, it's time. Brett Klein time. Brett, welcome to the Shoecast. Huge thank you for coming on. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Thrilled to be here. So, Brett, we have to ask you. It's the most important question. What are you wearing? Well, I was anticipating that question. So, not that I have much else in my closet but Aldens, but of course, I'm wearing a pair of Aldens today. I've got on the a plain toe boot in black regina grain calfskin it's got a black wedge sole and it's got an antique reverse welt around it so you get black on top black on bottom and then this nice brown band in between which also helps sort of frame the shoe when you're looking down at it so it's a boot that got put together by the shoe mart um, part of their bootmakers edition special makeup it's only available there the inspiration for that boot was actually from Brogue's Tourist Boot, which they did in mm-hmm. uh, brown scotch grain and the tan wedge. And I was always a big admirer of that. I've got a pair of those in my closet. But I always felt that it needed a little more aesthetic weight. So we put the reverse welt on the Schumart version and changed it over to black. So it is by far, you know, all my Alden boots are comfortable for one reason or another, but these just go to the extreme, the lightweight sole, the soft Regina grain, just the combination of everything has made it my go-to boot these days. So Brett, you know who loves wedge soles? Ticho Blanco, the co-host of the Stitchdown Shoecast. 
Oh, no, I did not realize that. <laughs> no, it's it's just the opposite. I've never <laughs> never found a wedge sole that I, that I really liked. But, you know, I, as you're describing that boot, I was like, yeah, that sounds pretty sick. And you obviously, we got a, kind of a glimpse into your design process for coming up with, with these makeups, which I thought was pretty cool. But yeah, I'm still not sold on wedge soles. <laughs> wedge soles are, I'm on the fence myself. I never had a wedge sole in my closet until I got the tourist boot from Brogue. There's definitely a plus to that just on a comfort level. And it's amazing how lightweight those soles are. It's It'll easily be the lightest weight boot in your closet. So it's a plus for that reason. But I've only just kind of come around to them myself. Although I will say it does seem like there are currently and are going to be more Alden wedge sole designs in the 2021 calendar year. It just seems to be a a slowly growing trend for some reason. I'm not not sure why that is, but it's a little more prevalent these days than it has been in the past, I think. Well, full-on believer over here, completely unabashed wedge sole lover. Uh, I, I think they're fine. I mean, it's got to be on the right boot, right? Um, right? Or maybe even a shoe that one might see in the future from Alden. Like the comfort, I think the look, like if you get the right look, I think they're good. The kind of cavity wedge. So Brett, you you work in sales for Alden. You know, to me, it's so much more than that. I would love to hear kind of your version of what you do for Alden. Well, yeah. I mean, technically, I'm their sales rep for the Northeast and the Midwest. So I've got all of New England, New York, New Jersey, and then I've got um, six states in the Midwest. So I'm responsible for all of Alden's retailers in those regions. But there's a lot more that goes into basically making those sales, which is partnering with the retailers to design great shoes and boots. You know, my history in shoes goes back about 35 years. I mean, I've been selling shoes in one form or another since I was in high school. My first job was at uh, at a Timberland outlet. And for some reason, I kind of fell in love with shoes. I don't know what it was about the shoes at Timberland that sort of gave me a passion for them. But you know, it's interesting to note that you know, I've worked for a lot of different shoe companies. And for almost all of them, when I started working for them, they were exclusively made in USA shoe companies. And by the time I left each of them, they had transferred some part of their production to overseas. And that happened at Timberland. Timberland back in, this would have been the 19, you know, late 80s, early 90s, they were putting out product that's so different than what you'd see today. They even had some, for them, they'd be dress shoes. They were putting out these beautiful kilty tassel loafers and just all sorts of interesting things. So, but that's that's where my kind of love of shoes developed. And then eventually I ended up at Cole Haan for a number of years. And that's probably where my passion for really beautiful shoes developed. They were making a lot of, a lot of product in Italy, uh, just really fine craftsmanship. They were doing a lot of product in the U.S., made in, in Maine, where I live. They were doing a little bit in England. And then from Colhan, I ended up at Allen Edmonds. And that's where really my passion for Made in USA developed. So I was at Allen Emmons for about 10 years. And for the second half of that decade, 
uh, with them. I did a lot of product development as well. So I was on a product development team, did a lot of design, actually worked with Mike Rancourt back in the day. We were both on that product development team. Yeah, yeah. He was running it, right? Yep. He had you know, sold his hand-sewn factory to Alan Emmons, stayed on to run that factory. He was also the director of product development for Alan Emmons, all hand-sewns and welted product. So I worked very closely with Mike over the years. Eventually, after Mike broke off from Alan Emmons and a little bit of time passed, I ended up at Rancourt as well, working with, with Mike and Kyle for a couple of years. So they're, they're great friends. They're great shoemakers. And then uh, not long after Rancourt, I ended up uh, what I guess I would call my dream job with, with Alden. If you want to, if you're passionate about Made in USA footwear, there's nowhere else to go after, after Alden. This is the top of the mountain for me. Well, nice work, I'd say. <laughs> Thanks. So you're back to your question, though. It's, it's, you know, there's more than just sales involved. It's a lot of ongoing development. I mean, I'm, I'm talking with retailers every day about what's the next new shoe we're going to design. We're always looking to, to push the envelope and, and create the next new Alden product. It, it is interesting that when you were at, I, I mean, I think all these places, they were U.S. manufacturers. And then around the time you left, they kind of stopped doing that, at least with the same level of force. Is that coincidence? Did you like? <laughs> d- did you feel the need to move, or you know, did it just kind of lucky breaks? Well, a little bit of both, I guess. You know, the, the Timberland thing was just a, like a high school, college, part time job, and then um, after college, I bounced around a little bit, but eventually ended up at Colhan. Colhan had moved their their U.S. production to. I think they moved it to Brazil initially, and then some of it went to India, and they were still doing great things. You know, I was there um, while Nike had purchased them before I joined them, but you never really felt Nike's influence until about the middle of my tenure at Cole Haan. So for the last couple of years while I was at Cole Haan, and this would have been in the uh, the late 90s, early 2000s, um, you started to feel Nike's influence um, in, a, in a much bigger way. But it, it was actually a good influence. They were designing some really cool shoes uh, in tandem with, with Cole Haan. So, so I was still in love with the product, but I just felt like I personally sort of run my course at Cole Haan and, you know, things were happening internally with procedure and policies. And I just felt it was, it was, it was time to look for my next venture. And then, you know, serendipitously, an Allen Edmonds store opened up uh, just down the street from, from the Cole Haan store where I had been working. So I had always been on the retail side of things in a store, and it wasn't until Allen Edmonds, I spent about a year running their uh, Freeport main store just down the street from L.O. Bean when their wholesale position became available for the Northeast. And so I jumped on that, and that's when I made the switch to the, the wholesale side of things. And my wife and I moved to Connecticut, where we lived for about a dozen years, and like I said, that's where my, my passion for Made in USA came from. And unfortunately, Alan Edmonds also made a switch to moving some of their production uh, out of the U.S. as well while I, was, while I was there. Now, is there any kind of common thread that you saw happening at those companies as they were, you know, making that choice to move production from the USA? Like, you know, we kind of look at it like, oh, yeah, like it just was this natural thing that occurred as, you know, the 90s and 2000s took over. But you were on the inside, like, what did you see kind of on the inside of things that were was was happening as they were making that decision? I would say that it's inevitably when a private company, well, they don't have to go public, but when a private, typically a family-owned shoe company, you know, we we can talk about whether it's Allen Emmons or Cole Haan, it goes back to Floorshine, Bostonian, 
just about any quote-unquote American brand you can think of, they were all making their shoes in the U.S. at one point. But at some point, the business gets sold. Somebody needs to grow the business. There's shareholders involved that expect, you know, continual growth. There are shareholders involved if, if it's a public company. So there's this continual push for growth and bigger and better profits. And you simply can't continue to grow in that manner as a, as a U.S. manufacturer. So as these private companies got sold to private equity firms and, and things like that, that's usually sort of the, the death knell of American manufacturing for that company. They need to go elsewhere to reduce labor costs and find uh, materials that, that are not as costly and just they need to, to squeeze out every extra penny and, and, and dollar that they can from each, each pair they sell. So, you know, thankfully at Alden, I mean, I'm not a spokesperson for Alden. I'm, I'm a fanboy of Alden as, as much as anybody else. I just happen to be lucky enough to work there. But at least my personal view is Alden is, you know, they've been great shoemakers for a long time. They have a formula that works. They're not beholden to anybody but themselves. It's a family-owned company and they do a great volume and there are no external forces pushing them to grow beyond a, any current level. So, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And if no one is telling you to fix it, you don't have to fix it. We just keep doing what we're doing. And thankfully, it's it's quality American, American-made American footwear. And I like, you know, I don't know if you have this level of insight, but I like to think that when those decisions are made by some of those companies, it's like, man, we, we've tried to do everything we can, but, you know, I'm old and I have to provide for the grandkids and, you know, so it's time to to sell this thing, even though I know what's going to happen. Yeah, I don't, that, that's what I want to believe. And I'm very glad that Alden you know, doesn't seem anywhere remotely close to making that decision. But I don't know, romanticize it a little bit, I guess, to kind of explain it away. You know, I don't know what's in some of these minds when, when companies get sold and, and what the the owners think when they're selling them or what they envision is actually going to happen to that company once they get sold. I mean, I would think a lot of a lot of these guys that have grown a, a solid business are smart guys. They they don't probably have any illusions about what is potentially going to happen to a company. But in my mind, as much as I love American manufacturing and I want to support that, I, just as a consumer, I like quality shoes, right? And Ben, you have uh, have made friendships and partnerships with a variety of shoemakers around the world. And you can look at your Instagram page all day long and see beautiful shoes from all around the world. So it's not just about American manufacturing. It's about quality footwear and the value in that. It's just a shame that when these companies do decide to to go offshore to you know make more money or get a little more margin in their shoes, that they don't continue to make the same quality. It's not just that American manufacturing goes away. It's just that 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 quality shoe went away. You know, whether it's Cole Hunt or Johnson or Murphy or, or Allen Edmonds, they could have switched production to another facility outside of the country and still made the same quality. But ultimately, there's a decision made that effectively, maybe they don't think it's it's initially a decision about quality, but unfortunately, it, it turns into that over time. Well, I mean, especially with private equity, it's like, it's not like, oh, well, we can save some money on labor, but we're going to keep everything else the same. I mean, that's just not really how they operate. 
Right. Although I do think I do think that that is the thinking initially until the next quarterly meeting or the next meeting with the shareholders and they realize, okay, we have to push the envelope further. So, okay, maybe we'll take this little piece out of the shoe or, or change this material and that shouldn't affect too much. But it just, it becomes an avalanche, right? That just continues as time goes on until pretty soon you're you're so far away from where you were. It's just, it's inevitable. Tough to see. There's been a lot of discussion in the last couple of weeks, actually, you know, within the shoe community about where good things can be made. The answer is literally anywhere with the right inputs and the right skill and, and the right dedication to it. I think Grant Stone is one of the perfect examples of that. And they're able to offer an incredible product at an incredible price, partially because of where they're manufacturing in China. They're not trumpeting it, but they're not afraid of it. It's really about having a great partner factory who's willing to go there with you and then, you know, you kind of being willing to pay for it. Yeah, I, to- I, I totally agree. I, I think that a uh, great product can be had from all around the world. And, and as you said, Grant Stone's a, a great example of that. They make, they make beautiful product. It just happens to be made in China. It's, it's great product at a great price, so it's great value, and there's a, a customer that will appreciate that. Plenty. So look, let's, let's talk about kind of the happier side of things. Inside the Alden factory, it's like, it's like Wonka's chocolate factory. You have the golden ticket. You get to go there all the time. It would be really cool if you could paint a picture of what it's like out there. We've talked about some small things in the past before, Brett, but what, what's it like when you go in there? Well, I don't want to paint too intricate a picture. I don't honestly. I don't feel it's my my place to to open the doors to Alden because it's a private company in in more than one manner of speaking. I I think that you know Alden doesn't talk a lot about Alden for a reason. And if they wanted to talk about it, they would. If they wanted to be a little more self promotional, they would. If they wanted to open the doors to the the public for tours, they would. But you know they've made a decision not to do that. So you know I can just say that it's you know you can look at the product itself and see that it's very traditional, very classic. It doesn't change a lot over time. You don't see a lot of new development in the way that you do with uh, traditional shoe companies. So you could say it's it's very old school. And I would say the factory is also old school. The factory and the offices, not a lot has changed there over the years. And and thankfully, it's it's uh, that shows up in in the product. You know, they things haven't changed a lot. The product hasn't changed. It's it's remained the the same quality product that it has uh, for for decades, for over a century. But it's not unlike other shoe factories that I've been in, um, whether it was at Rancourt or uh, Allen Emmons. Um, certainly, some of the equipment changes depending on construction. But it's a uh, you know it, it's a obviously it's a it's a clean, somewhat modern factory. A lot of people in there busy putting together shoes. So you're saying. It is Wonka's factory. Exactly. Art Tarlow comes out and does like a somersault. That's that's it. That's pretty much it, Ben. Yeah, that's kind of what I figured. <laughs> that's all I can tell you. That's about as much as I can tell you. Ah, all right. We're we're gonna keep pumping you, Brett. Don't <laughs> don't don't think that's the end of this. You can you can see about as much as I'm willing to share. You can see on my Instagram page. I I shoot as many pictures as I can <laughs> when I'm there, where I where I feel like I can get away without you know pissing somebody off. So you know I do my best to share Alden with with the Alden community, but it it can only go so far. Just just tell us this. It's really cool in there, right? Like we just 
you know, you always uh, you always see people just posting just that one, you know, the sign by the, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, I just I want to see so much more. I want to just go hang out there. If you go like past the cool sign, place. they let the dogs out. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. Uh, yes, Ticho, it is. It's a blast to be in there. It's um, I mean, certainly if you're crazy about shoes, you're going to you're going to enjoy it. It's, it's And it would, would certainly be fascinating to anybody that hasn't been in a shoe factory before. But I will say that, you know, I've been selling shoes in one form or another for, you know, since I was a teenager. And I've been in a number of factories and it's always a thrill to be in a shoe factory. Even for me, you know, I consider myself pretty knowledgeable about shoes. Yeah, I don't think there's a single visit when I go to Allen where I don't learn something new. There's always something new to be learned about making shoes. So that's that's a benefit for me to to go into the factory is in addition to seeing all the cool stuff. It's it's always a learning experience to be there. Yeah, I feel I feel like in the past you've posted some kind of like vintage or archival pairs that you found I guess at the factory. Yeah. You know, is there like a like an area or a room or something where they have that kind of stuff for you to check out? Yeah, they call it it's just called the sample room. It's really just a it's a small conference room and the room is is, you know, surrounded by shelves with shoes on it basically and it it has, you know, the current Alden collection and, and then a, a lot of a lot of uh styles from the archives basically from the past. So the old Alden you know, the Aldenpedic, Alden orthopedic days, and it goes back to, you know, C.H. Alden and and even uh, Old Colony Shoe that, that was purchased way back in the day by Alden. So there's a lot of really cool vintage vintage things in there to see. And uh, obviously, every time I'm there, I want to bring one of them to life. But but some of them are so old that the, the patterns don't exist any any longer and, and things like that. So what's the coolest thing you found? Uh, well, there's a couple things. There's a U-wing which I think is from the old colony days. And it's a spectator with, you know, that unique U-wing design up front. And it's just, it's just a gorgeous shoe. There's other things. I forget if it's on that shoe or another shoe, but, you know, there are shoes in there where I think they're like triple soled. The soles, the leather soles are so thick. You just don't even know how they could get a, a needle and thread through them. Chonk. And then one of my other favorite things, which I, I know you've seen before, it's not it's not super ancient, but it's the old uh, style number uh, 500 boot, which was an orthopedic boot, which is a monkey boot. Mm-hmm. And I'm still pushing to to get that thing made in one form or another one of these days. But uh, so far, I haven't had any any success with that that battle. Oh, I think we could make a cool one of those, Brett. Yes, I agree. We could for sure. That's right in the slot. In terms of makeups, like kind of mentioned at the top. This is a big part of what you do. We work very, very closely together on the Stitch Up boot. I've been kind of blowing up your phone very consistently for the past month or so uh, about a couple others that we're talking about. I've found you so helpful to take the base root idea of something and really not just you know put some finishing touches on it, but create something that completely ties the boot together, is unique. How do you come up with a makeup you know, there's often like an easy answer. Um, oh, well, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make something that, you know, seems like people want, but doesn't exist. I feel like you have a little bit more magic to to add to that from my personal experience. Like how, how do you approach this? And can you even explain how you work with people other than just continuing to push it? I think the, the answer is different for every retailer. Some retailers know exactly what they want and they don't need a lot of input from me. Um, and then there are other retailers that are hungry for the input because they don't have um, you know, the ideas to the extent that they need them th- themselves. 
it's a little bit different all the time, but I would just say that sometimes, I mean, there are sometimes when personally I have an idea and it, and it's a shoe or boot that I want to wear myself. And I find a retailer that agrees with me that it could be a good design. And so, you know, that idea goes to that retailer. And then there are other times like, you know, working with you, Ben, and, and in tandem with, with the Alden shop in New York, um, you know, you've got an idea and I just think of, okay, that's a great idea. And what, could make it the best idea. And sometimes it's just thinking what's what's the best leather for that or what are the best details on top of that idea? What can potentially set it apart from similar things that have been done in the past? I mean, you know, everybody's always trying to create the Alden design that has never been done before. And that's that's difficult to do as time goes on. You know, there's a there's sort of a fixed toolbox and you can use certain tools in the toolbox and everyone kind of has access to the same tools but it's you can certainly create a design that no one's ever seen before it doesn't mean it's good design and certainly my time at Alden has taught me that different doesn't mean good so it's it's definitely a constant battle to come up with great design that's also commercial but at the same time hopefully unique and will appeal to people just for its uniqueness. And then at the end, you tell the people to take complete credit for it themselves. Is at least that's what you did with me and Kurt and everybody at Alden Madison. And I was like, I guess so. But <laughs> <laughs> but like we we would have made a great boot. I'm sure of it. The the place that we all took it to together. Yeah, I mean it was very very legitimate collaboration all around and when we finally got to it we're like well i guess we'll uh like put two pictures of different boots together to show people what they are <laughs> and hope they get it but like we knew and then you know what once it was real everybody's like oh yeah this is like people liked it and it felt really good but you know it, it clicked and it and it felt great and i, I just just want to thank you brett <laughs> you're welcome that's the goal when you're when you're when you're done with it that it just it clicks and you know it's the it's the right idea. I mean, it's a blast for me to to design shoes with my retailers. I mean, I probably like you, I think about shoes literally all day long. But it's fun putting together the shoes. I mean, that is literally the fun part of it. I, I will say that working at Alden is different from any shoe company I've ever worked for in the fact that, well, the, the story I tell is when I came to Alden, I figured it was going to be a good job because I knew they made beautiful shoes. I was going to like that part of it. My predecessor was Floyd Gilmore, who worked for oh, man. for Alden for 60 years since the age of 25. He retired at the age of 85. And thankfully, I'd known him for you know the last oh, 15 plus years or so. And became friends, and you know he used to joke with me years ago after we first met. You know we were I was at Allen Emmons, he was with Alden, and we were traveling in the same circles, obviously. And and coincidentally, we happened to both be living in the same town in Connecticut. But whenever I would see him at a trade show or run into him at a retailer store, he would always say, uh, "Brett, when I retire, I want you to take my job." And back then, I just thought. That's great, Floyd. But in in my mind, I'm thinking I don't even know if I want that job. You know, working for Alden, this kind of fuddy-duddy old company that doesn't doesn't put out new product every season. And uh, you know, I had great respect for the for the brand, of course, because uh, I knew what they were doing on a quality level. But I didn't have any appreciation for what Alden was, and more importantly, what I discovered 
once I came to Alden and started working with the retailers and also learning more about their customers, about the Alden customer, is there is an Alden community, a community that exists around Alden that does not exist in that way with any shoe company I've ever been with. There is such admiration and love for what Alden is doing in a way that I've just, I've never seen anybody, seen before anywhere. I mean, it really does feel like an honor to be working for Alden. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, the community uh, of Alden kind of guys. And, um, you know, we, a couple episodes ago, talked about, you know, some how to access rare shell and stuff like that and talked about these, you know, group of kind of, you know, the shadowy cabal of guys who kind of, you know, run that scene. The Cabaldin. <laughs> the Cabaldin, the, you know, Alden Illuminati, whatever you want to call these guys. How do, how do you think Alden as a company created such a devoted following of people who, you know, literally keep spreadsheets of every, you know, rare shell makeup that's in production? I jeez I I don't know I really don't know how that came to be. I think it's I think it's just a lot of small things over time that have added up to what you just explained and I think part of it is like with regards to rare shell Alden has always historically and still is they've been about making sure customers are properly fitted in their shoes because obviously that ensures you're going to have the the best experience with an Alden shoe while you're wearing it, right? So it, there's a different experience from buying it off the internet and hoping you got the right size than walking into an Alden store and getting fitted properly and walking out with the shoes knowing they fit like a dream. And so obviously at some point Alden had to, to cave to the to the internet and the the world of e-com shopping uh, because that's the way people run their businesses today but you know they put that off for a long time so if you wanted Alden product you had to go find it in a store so there was that sort of uniqueness about the brand and the fact that Alden wasn't selling it themselves online and then there has always been the agreement with our retailers that they're not going to mark the product down so that has created an understanding that Alden is is worth the price that you're paying because you're never going to find it at any other price. And then there's the Shell Cordovan itself, right? So Shell Cordovan uh, and Alden, they go kind of hand in hand. Alden is the has to be the largest consumer of of, of certainly Horween Shell Cordovan that exists in the in the shoe world. And then you take it to the next level that you're talking about, Ticho, which is the rare shell, and it's rare for a reason, right? Horween doesn't produce a lot of it. There's not a lot of it to be found, and occasionally you can find it on an Alden Alden shoe or boot. But there is an understanding of, with our retailers about rare shell cordovan that when we do have it available for certain retailers, that it's I call it it's 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 like Fight Club, right? You don't talk about Fight Club, you don't talk about rare shell cordovan. So it's even more special that there's a mystery about where it is, when's it going to be there, and and how do you get it? So the fact that a retailer can't promote it, part of the idea behind uh, asking our retailers not to you know promote rare shell cordovan on social media and things like that is that if a consumer wants to uh, find rare shell, shell cordovan, or at least this was a thinking back in the day is you had to get into a store to find it. So if you wanted to find a, a Ravello or a cigar or a whiskey item, you're going to have to go look for it, which means getting into a store. And even if they don't have it, you're still going to be standing in that store looking at Alden product and talking with one of our retailers. So there is that incentive uh, created. So it definitely has become um, a bit of a cult following f- for sure. 
what takes it to the other level that someone wants to create a spreadsheet uh, with a list of all the rare shell coordinates that have ever been produced or coming down the, the pike or whatever. I just, you'd have to ask that guy. <laughs> Sounds like another dodge, Brett. I think you're in the Cabaldon. <laughs> Maybe. Oh boy. Look, we're definitely not done with you and Shell and, and all that, but let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. So Ticho. Grant Stone has made a huge impact on the shoe game since coming onto the scene a half decade ago, and their lineup just keeps getting deeper and deeper. So what I want to know, what are your three favorite Grant Stone models right now? Maybe some staples? Maybe some outside-the-box picks? What is Mr. Blanco loving from Grant Stone? This was pretty tricky, and I had to, you know, I really had to, like, scroll through the website like four or five times before I really could, could narrow it down to just three. What do you got? Do it. Tijo pick number one, I got to go with a classic, the Ottawa boot, Dune Chrome XL. I love an NST boot. I think it's just the perfect style to wear kind of casually, a little, you know, dress it up a little bit if you want to. I think it just lends itself to a lot of stuff. Beat it up, wear it in the woods, you know, when you're taking your dog for a walk. I know that's what you like to do. It's all I do. You know, for for me, I love like a lighter Chrome XL that's gonna patina beautifully over time. So I had it was it was close between the Dune and the Crimson, but I think for me, I would go Dune. But like, no disrespect to the Crimson, which looks great too. All right, all right. Number two, gotta go for the Edward Boot Honey Glazed Shell Cordovan. Delicious. I mean, again, I'm all about the patina. I love a nice light Shell Cordovan boot. I know this is like an ad, but like six seventy five for this boot. It's pretty crazy. It's ridiculous. It's just like a real sharp derby boot, like these big panels of shell. You know, like I can just envision myself just with some beautiful rolls, beautiful patina on this thing. This was a no brainer for me. I I, th- I think this is just an excellent boot. So look, the best ads are the stuff that you're going to say in real life, anyway, right? Yeah, I can't, my opinion can't be bought. This is this is truly how I feel. All right, number three, and this is one, since it came out, I've been eyeballing it a lot. The Country Derby in Antique Cognac Pebble Grain. Yeah. So I love British kind of styled shoes. A big thing there are these, you know, just like really nice, clean derbies in like Pebble Grain with a rubber sole. Like just toss some tweed pants on. Get like an Irish setter or something and like go go for a stroll out on the moors. Smoke a pipe in this thing. Go to a pub. Fish and chips. You know what I mean? This is the shoe. This is the shoe for that. Like, you know, if you like eating mushy peas, this is your shoe. Those are my three picks. What do you think? Obviously the shell. Edward Boots beautiful. The Ottawa. Absolute staple of the lineup. But yeah, that Pebble Derby. Love it. Look, Ticho. Fine work. Next week. I'm going to go. But until then, everyone check out GrantStoneShoes.com and back to the Brettcast. We're back with Brett Klein from Alden. So, Brett, back to the shell. Rare shell. Big question here. How rare is this stuff, really? With the buying power that Alden has with shell, can't they just go to Horween and be like, yeah, just make a bunch more of this? Like, color eight, you know, cut it in half. Half the dye, as we discussed on a previous episode. Saving you money. <laughs> saving you money. I don't, I don't know that that's actually part of it. But 
<laughs> that was from Ticho's Bro Science Theater. So, <laughs> <laughs> and listen, I don't have insight, you know, 100% insight into all of this. So, you know, my explanation is only my level of understanding. I will say that would would Alden like to have more rare shell cordovan? Yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, I certainly would as a as a salesman, um, and I can't think of any reason why Alden themselves wouldn't want more rare shell cordovan. But I think there's a limitation on what Horween can produce, right? And the thinking on why they can't produce more is, at least again, my understanding is you see color eight and black all the time, right? Those are the dominant two colors that are consistently being turned out by Horween. And they're both very dark colors. And so the difficulty is that when you look at the raw material, when you look at the the raw shells, there's going to be imperfections in those shells, just like there are imperfections in, in any leather, right? And so the beauty of shell is you, you kind of are looking into it, right? You're looking past the 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 shiny surface into the depth of that shell. And so to produce something like whiskey or Ravello, which is a which is a certainly a, a lighter tone, a lighter brown, you're gonna need a more flawless material. Otherwise you're gonna see the flaws. They, and there's obviously a lot of flaws in, in these in these animals in the raw materials. So I don't think it's that we wouldn't like to have more, and I'm sure Horween wishes they could produce more of it because I'm sure they sell it for a, a little bit of a premium above above color eight and black. But I just I, I think there are limitations, literal limitations, on to how much can be produced because of the uh, the inherent um, flaws and imperfections in in some of the some of the shells. Does that make sense? Do you think? You know what? It sounds fairly believable. Right. I mean, that's that's my explanation. I'm sticking with it. Yeah, the Brett Klein take is it's not a, you know, some market moving master plan, possibly orchestrated by a bunch of guys in a spreadsheet who don't even work at Alden, who, by the way, Brett, I don't know if you know this, they threatened us and threatened our boots last time we started talking about them. Things got pretty crazy. I'm sure it's going to happen again after this, but we've decided to, you know, fight shell with shell, I guess. (laughs) Oh really? You got into some trouble over that last podcast about the rear shell? All, well, we gave like some very good tips, but like we didn't tell anything that you know really the shops wouldn't want you to know. All the Madison, Schumartin, here's how you get on a list. And I listened to that podcast, or I think I at least kind of fast forwarded through it to get the key opponents. I didn't, I didn't think you gave up any real secrets in that. In fact, I thought there were going to be people disappointed in that podcast because they were maybe hoping to learn some real secrets, but I didn't feel like you you really gave any away. We're going to have to cut this out. No, Nobody's ever been disappointed in this podcast. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there is kind of a, a, a much deeper level of, uh, of of what's going on in the, the Alden community in terms of, you know, information sharing. I think um, I discussed it with one guy. We figured out that he was basically running like a decentralized information network, like kind of like a spy master, you know? You don't think of like, you know, old New England shoe companies having a spy master, uh, you know, running like this whole network of information around it, but but there is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is all true, by the way. All right. um, Take your word for it. <laughs> so look, there's another way to get rare shell, and it's called DIY Brett Klein style. Hashtag the faded boot. Brett, you are really one of the preeminent experts in the world on 
essentially putting your boots out in the sun, presumably checking the weather, and just doing that over and over until you can develop some really, really cool colors in your boots. Tell us a little bit about that. Like, what what's your approach? Uh, how do you do this right? What have you learned? Fading eight. Ah, uh, yeah, good question. I forgot all about the the faded eight. Um, definitely one of the the rarest colors, right? So that all came about because so I joined Alden in two thousand seventeen, and I'd say a good six months had gone by, and I still didn't own any footwear in in Shell Cordovan, and so. I was at the factory one day and I actually found a, a damaged pair of boots, plain toe boots in color eight and with a commando sole. And I love boots and I love commando. And I thought, ah, perfect. This would be a great place to start my Shell Cordovan collection. So I brought them home, put them in the closet. And I'd say it was probably three or four weeks later that I looked down at the boots in the closet and they hadn't come out of the closet since then. I just thought, am I ever going to wear these? And the reason I question myself whether I was ever going to wear these was because color eight is very dark. And I just, I don't wear dark footwear with the exception of uh, black boots very casually, kind of after hours. And then I thought, I wonder if I could fade them, fade them down to some color I would wear. And, you know, there's all these mysterious sort of qualities of of shell cordovan and concerns about ruining it and, and all of that and getting them wet and you know, all these sort of old wives tales about it and some are true and some aren't. But I thought, I wonder if you can fade Shell Cordovan and if so, is something horrible going to happen? So I went straight to the computer and Googled fading Shell Cordovan. And I think the first hit or somewhere, you know, at the top of the page was a link to an old Horween post where Skip had, Skip Horween had taken an old pair of Color 8 shoes I think he had made for Bally back in the day and just on a whim decided to throw them in the window in the in the you know the bright sun and see what would happen if he faded them and sure enough they faded down to this really kind of ruby red color and I thought well if Skip Horween is doing it then there's no reason I can't do it so I took my boots and put them out in the sun and uh, just literally put them outside in the sun every day or every day that I could when I wasn't on the road and just slowly watched their progress, and they continued to get lighter and lighter and lighter. It's doable. You can fade them down to whatever level you want to. I faded that first pair down to what I would call kind of a, I don't know, maybe somewhere between like a color four and a and a color two. They're they're pretty light. Color three. Let's let's call it color three. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then I did my next round with uh, a pair of indie boots that I know you've seen and at least pictures of, and those are maybe more in like a color five range, let's call that. And uh, and I also have a pair of monk straps that I faded, I've faded way down, and those have turned into a disaster. So there are there are there are pros and cons to doing it. Yeah, you can you can fade them down to just about whatever color you like, but and this goes back. To our earlier conversation about why you don't see more rare shell, uh, which kind of proves my point, is the danger, the risk you run in fading color eight is color eight starts off very dark for a reason, because they are potentially covering up something in that raw shell. And so as you fade the color eight, 
you are potentially going to reveal some flaws in that leather. And so I can tell you that the I have uncovered flaws in every color rate shoe or boot that I've faded to date. And sometimes it's no big deal, but s- sometimes like the, the monk straps I faded, they are so funky. I just don't even know if I'll ever be able to wear them because they've got so many funky imperfections showing now. But it's, I mean, it's cool character. I would throw the monk straps on with a, you know, a pair of jeans or just something a bit more casual and not worry, worry about it. But um, if you're hoping to keep your shoes just looking perfect, but just in a lighter shade, you might get away with it, but you, you just be prepared to know you're going to have some some imperfections showing. And, and those imperfections are typically, it's not like a, a scar or anything like that, but there are just, there are darker shades. So you end up with like my plain toe boots have this really dark spot on the toe, even though the rest of it has faded. I have no idea what it is, but um, I don't know. It looks cool either way. I mean, you end up with a, a shoe or boot that is definitely unique. And I can tell you that, you know, walking around in those, at least in the among the Alden community and among, you know, shoe retailers, they always get comments. They always think that they're, I get asked if they're color four. A lot of people think they're cigar or Ravello. I mean, just, they really look unique. So I'd recommend it to anybody who, who wants to change up their, their color rate habit a little bit. Do you think like if things go wrong and, and maybe you haven't tried this, but possibly, you know, like, could you put just a ton of dark cordovan cream on them to try and, you know, even them back out or kind of push them slightly back towards eight to cover things up? I would think you probably could. I mean, I don't know if you could do it yourself on the level that you would need to, to kind of darken them back up and and even them out again. But I think that somebody could do it for you, like a a cobbler who has more tools and more finishes and more, you know, uh, polishes and and things like that. I I don't, because I've actually thought about that with the monk strap. They're they're so light and kind of so funky that I thought, I wonder if I gave those either back to Alden, which I'd never do because I get laughed out of the building. Um, I could give them back to Alden. (laughs) They could probably refinish them. Um, I actually thought about- You stole fizzy lifting drinks. (laughs) Well, no, but I mean, Alden, like I said, Alden's really old school. So if I put a pair of navy laces in a, in a pair of my tan wingtips, I'll I'll also get laughed out of the building. They're pretty straight laced there on on what they want their shoes to look like. So if they if they knew I was fading my my color eight shoes, they they would look askance at me for oh, sure. Oh, they don't know. No, they do. I had a, I wore my faded indie boots to the my factory on my last visit and I think it was actually Art who asked me if those were color 4. So just say yes. So it it fools it fools the experts, that's for sure. <laughs> Have you ever considered trying to fade black shell? I feel like it would be really cool but would also take like a really long time. I'm thinking about it. I've been thinking about it. I haven't done it. What do you think, Brett? I've never thought about it just because I I wear so little black that black shell is like the last thing I'm ever thinking about for myself. So I'm sure it can be done. And I don't know if any of you were uh, friendly with the the late Mark Tulos, but I know that he was yeah he, man before yeah. his unfortunate and untimely um, passing. He was uh, working on fading. I think it was a pair of black tanker boots and. Um, I'd have to maybe see if I can dive into some old conversation, but I recall him saying they were they were definitely fading, and I'm having a hard time remembering what color they were turning into. I don't remember if they were turning into sort of a grayish hue or maybe a greenish hue. I'd almost put my money on 
on a greenish hue because I know that a lot of the um, black quarter, when, if you look at a just the raw, you know, black shell before it gets turned into a shoe, if you if you flip it over and 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 look at the the reverse side where you see the Horween stamp, that the reverse side of black shell can definitely oftentimes look kind of greenish. So, but no, I've never done it myself. I'd be curious to see a pair though. Yeah, I, I think your your intuition on the green shade is is pretty accurate. I mentioned city shoes before when as they were going out of business, uh, Voltaire found this like really old display pair of like just a black shell. I think it was just an Oxford. I took it outside and I took a picture of it, and it's like this olive green with like all these like interesting undertones to it. I think it's pretty cool. I think we should get more people fading some black shell. Although we don't have you know the advantage of uh, living in in Dubai like like Mark did. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you've got some faded boots. You got some crazy faded monks. What does the rest of your closet look like, Brett? We got to know. Like how many pairs? How many Aldens? What do you got in there? Well. It's primarily Alden. The collection isn't as large as you would think because I'm just like every other Alden consumer when they first start off buying Aldens. They are finding their way in the Alden world as to what works fit-wise, what lasts work best, what styles you fall in love with and what styles you don't fall in love with. And I think that like any of us, as your collection grows, it evolves and it shrinks in certain areas and it grows in other areas. So, you know, I have, there were shoes in my closet in early 2017 that are no longer in my closet to make room for other things that I have fallen more in love with. So I would say right now I have about, uh, I should have counted before we started, but I think I have, I think I've got maybe 16 pair of Alden in the closet. And I think like 13 pair of those are boots. And then I've got uh, I've got a little bit of Rancourt. I've got an old wingtip I made right before I left Rancourt, which was, it's pretty cool. It's a spectator. It's a long wing spectator. And the front of it is olive green calf. So it's a dark olive green calf. And then the inset spectator piece is actually camouflage. It's like a camouflage shell. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know those. So those are you've cool. seen those, I think. Um, and then I also have their, a chukka of theirs. I forget what it's called, but it's like this, um, it's a low chukka with a, with a, like a, a, a chrome pack, like wrapped sole uh, with a hand-sewn vamp. It's, and it's, it's crazy comfortable. There's like all this cushioning between the, the original moccasin itself and then the, the outer chrome pack call it a sole. Those are crazy comfy. And then outside of those two Rancourt shoes, I've got one Alan Edmonds Spectator that I made years and years ago, obviously now. I, you know, when I started at Alden, I had a lot of Alan Edmonds in my closet left over from, you know, the Alan Edmonds days. And slowly over time, I got rid of all the Alan Edmonds, but I continued to hold on to, you know, I, I did a lot of product development and design at, at Alan Edmonds. And so I did a lot of kind of crazy design for myself. So I, I hung, when I left Alan Emmons, I got rid of almost all my Alan Emmons except for my sort of one-off creations that I had, had made for myself. And then when I joined Alden, I started to sell off those. So there's just one one Alan Emmons spectator that I've held on to. I've got the two Rancourts, and then I've got pretty much like any of us, you know, a bunch of athletic stuff, some Nikes and, and things like that. But I've got some more in the pipeline too. I've got one that's probably arriving, I'm hoping at the end of this week, which is a really unique um, 
I call it an Algonquin saddle blucher uh, that no one has seen in 50 years. This is a really special shoe that uh, we made for David Wood, and it's a pattern that Talk, going back to our conversation about the sample room and some of the really cool vintage stuff that's sitting on the shelf there. I saw this pattern a couple years ago. At first, it didn't really jump out at me. It just looked like a, a split toe shoe, right? But then when I noticed the way that the shoe was put together in a piece of a piece of the pattern, which would be referred to as the saddle, which doesn't look like a traditional saddle shoe, but I realized if you did this as a two-tone shoe, this could really turn into a saddle shoe, but it would be a really unique saddle shoe that no one has ever seen before. So these shoes have been slowly working their way through the factory. It's been a long time coming because it's such an old pattern. It's might as well have been a new pattern. Um, so it was very difficult to put together. It's been a very time-consuming process to kind of uh, get it through the factory, but it's finally finishing up this week. So sometime in the next week, these should end up at David Wood. It'll be a two-tone shoe with uh, dark brown Regina green and then the uh, black Regina green saddle. And I think we've got brass eyelets on it, and it's going to have a commando sole with an antique edge. So this I haven't seen it yet, but it's it should be a showstopper. It's definitely a, a one of a kind item. My gut feeling is that you may never see this again because it was so difficult to to get through the factory. It, it's one of those things that Alden may just say we maybe made the shoe, but we may not want to make it again. So. Way to work at that one time. I like it. Yeah, it's it's going to be cool. Make sure I get some pictures. Oh yeah, you will. Yeah, I will say that the the time that I met you in your hotel. Um, for some coffee in the morning and you came down and you were wearing uh, some Nike Air Maxes or whatever. It was <laughs> it was pretty disturbing and quite <laughs> unexpected. But, you know, we got through it. Yeah. Well, I think I was on my way to the airport after that, right? So I think that's why I would have had Nike on. I wouldn't, you would never catch me walking around during the day visiting my, my retailers with anything but Alden on. But I think I was off to the airport after our our chat that morning so all right fine so there's one big last question that we've been asking everybody who comes on the show and we're going to make you do it too and and we did it at one point although we picked five you have to pick one pair of boots shoes whatever for the rest of your life they last forever but everything else disappears and you get a pair of nikes to go to the gym with <laughs> what are you picking i don't even have to think about it really I, it it would easily be the Alden 403 Indie boot for me. Bam. I could wear that boot, boot the rest of my life. I mean, I literally don't even have to think about it. That boot is, it's comfortable. It's rugged. The durability is like nothing I have ever worn before. I'll wear that around town. I'll go hiking in it. I wear it on the beach. That boot does, does double duty. The, the sole itself is ridiculous how how durable that neocork is. I mean, it looks, I've been wearing it constantly for, you know, going on four years now, and there's virtually no wear on the soles. I'm going to have to replace the heels very soon, but I don't know that I'll ever have to replace the soles. It's incredible. I was doing an event uh, with a retailer and a consumer came in, he was wearing his indie boots, and he'd been wearing them for 10 years. And same thing, he had replaced the heels a couple times, but he still had the original soles and they they look virtually untouched. It's I don't know I don't know what it is about that soul, but it'll last forever. But you know, just for so many other reasons, I could 
if I only had to pick one pair of shoes or boots, that that would be it, hands down. Worthy call. Very worthy. Yeah, can't argue with that. Snap decision. I love it. And look, that's it. Huge thanks again to our sponsor this week, Grant Stone. Definitely give them the look that they deserve. And even huger thanks to Brett for coming on. Brett, this was just, this was wonderful. Thank you so much. Thanks, Ben. A lot of fun. Glad to be here. And uh, good luck with the rest of your podcasts. We're going to have you on every week. <laughs> I might have to, after this podcast, I probably won't have a job and I'll have to come come to you now for, <laughs> for future employment. So be prepared for that. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure something out if, if that's how it goes down. Okay. Sorry about everything. Um, but look, huge thanks again, Brett. That's it for this week. Take care of your shoes. We'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>